Official Account of the Death of Archbishop Seegers by John H. Keatley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The tragic death of the heroic Archbishop Seegers produced a deep impression upon the Catholics of this country at the time of its occurrence. The first official statement of the murder was made by Mr. John H. Keatley, a former United States judge in Alaska, to his eminence, Cardinal Gibbons. As an official historical document, it is entitled to a place in these pages. Sioux City, Iowa, March 21st, 1892 cardinal gibbons baltimore maryland very dear sir having served as the united states judge of alaska until december eighth eighteen eighty nine and archbishop seegers of british columbia having been murdered by one of his associates within the limits of alaska in the year eighteen eighty seven i deem it my duty after having become acquainted with all the principal facts they being somewhat scattered among documents and held in memory by persons now widely dispersed to present them to you in this form in a concise narrative so that you may file it in the archives of the cardinalate if you desire for future reference the extraordinary and tragic character of the incident resulting in the death of the bishop is a sufficient justification of this course up until the spring of 1887, no serious attempt had been made to establish any Roman Catholic missions among the natives of the Valley of the Yukon in Alaska, owing in part to the opposition made by the Greco-Russian priests and monks, subject to the jurisdiction of the Holy Synod at Moscow, Russia, and to the opposition made for a century and more by the officers of the Hudson Bay Company whose agents have been operating along the headwaters of that great river for several generations. A change of policy was deemed necessary, and, consequently, on the 30th of July, 1887, Archbishop Seegers left Victoria, British Columbia, accompanied by two Jesuit fathers, Tosi and Robot, and a servant named Frank Fuller. By August 31st, the party was heard from at the head of Salmon River in western Alaska, by a letter from the archbishop stating that the party was having some trouble with the natives this did not alarm his friends and the news of august thirty first being the last heard from him for many months it did not create any uneasiness owing to the fact that it frequently requires an entire year to receive intelligence from those remote regions and even from United States officials who are able to command better facilities for communications than many others the next intelligence received from the archbishop and his party was that on the morning of november twenty seventh he was shot and killed by frank fuller near a native village called nulato on the yukon river fuller was about thirty years of age was tall and slender and of a nervous excitable temperament he had been a watchmaker at portland oregon before going to victoria and meeting archbishop seegers at victoria and expressing a strong desire to accompany the party to the yukon he was taken as the archbishop's personal attendant this was contrary to the advice of the other members of the party when they reached the chilkoot village preparatory to crossing the coast range by the chilkoot pass to the headwaters of the yukon father tosi strongly urged the archbishop to send fuller back to the settlement as a last opportunity 
on account of his singular behavior which indicated some unsoundness of mind the party continued together until they reached the mouth of the stuart river in western british america where fathers tosi and rabot established themselves to winter and archbishop seegers proceeded down the yukon the father still protesting against his going alone with young fuller on account of his strange and inexplicable conduct the archbishop was resolute and refused to believe that he was in any danger whatever they had one indian with them and proceeding to the point near nulato which they reached on the evening of november twenty sixth eighteen eighty seven they went ashore and encamped about daylight on the morning of november twenty seventh fuller went to where the archbishop was sleeping in the tent called him as if to awaken him to begin the journey for the day and when the prelate attempted to rise he was shot by fuller and mortally wounded with the gun which had all along been part of the outfit of the expedition the indian started down the river with the archbishop who died the same day and finally deposited the body at st michael's in bering sea where it was taken in charge and where it was deposited in the old russian church at that place by the russian priest stationed at st michael's in the early summer of eighteen eighty eight a burial case was sent from victoria to st michael's for the purpose of bringing home the body either by a revenue cutter or by one of the steamers of the alaska commercial company trading on that coast the united states steamer thetis then commanded by lieutenant commander w h emory of the united states navy when coming out of the arctic ocean to return to san francisco by way of sitka touched at st michael's disinterred the remains placed them in the burial case and brought them away while the thetis remained at sitka during the month of october eighteen eighty eight awaiting final orders i had an opportunity of viewing the face of the dead archbishop as his body lay in the burial case on the quarter-deck of the vessel it did not seem to have suffered much change though almost a year had elapsed since his death his remains were landed at victoria about the middle of november eighteen eighty eight and permanently interred at that place fuller found his way to unalaska where he was arrested and brought to sitka for trial along with the indian who had been of the party and was detained as a witness fuller was defended by hon a k delaney the united states collector of customs at sitka and interposed the defense of insanity fuller testified on his own behalf and stated that he was in constant apprehension that the archbishop intended killing him upon the first opportunity and to prevent his own death in that way he had taken the archbishop's life a diary subsequently found kept by him up to the time of the tragedy showed numerous entries where apprehension of death from the hands of the archbishop were expressed upon being asked if the archbishop had been unkind to him in any way during any part of the journey from the time of starting he replied he had not the jury were instructed that they must find him either guilty of murder in the first degree or acquit him on account of his insane delusion but strange to say they brought in a verdict of manslaughter his counsel made no motion to set aside this verdict and he was sentenced to an imprisonment at hard labor for a period of ten years at the washington penitentiary at mcneil's island in puget sound where he still is a report was published a year ago that he had made his escape from the island with heavy shackles upon him 
but after inquiry i find that there is no truth in the publication archbishop seegers was born in belgium and at the time of his death was thirty-nine years of age he came to victoria british columbia in eighteen sixty three and in eighteen seventy nine was created archbishop of oregon in eighteen eighty three he resigned and returned to victoria to devote the remainder of his life to the christian welfare of the indians of british columbia and the natives of the north pacific coast the foregoing statement of the deplorable affairs is from official documents evidence in court and from eye-witnesses and is as near the truth as it can ever be ascertained yours very sincerely and respectfully john h keatley end of the official account of the death of archbishop seegers by john h keatley read by phil schimpf